From the studios of Advancing Vibrant Communities in Modesto, California, this is Lighthouse Live Radio on the Lighthouse Live International Podcasting Network. Welcome to Lighthouse Live, the radio voice of advancing vibrant communities. Our mission is to motivate believers to move out from the four walls of the church to personally serve the needs of their neighborhoods. Get ready for a no-holds-barred, honest look at the Christian lifestyle the way Christ commanded it to be. All that and more coming right up here on Lighthouse Live. And good evening to you, wherever you may be. Mike Douglas here, along with Elaine Harlan, our producer and co-host, and, of course, our main prayer intercessor, the inimitable Mr. Owl. Al Ramsey with us as well. And, Elaine, an exciting uh, mm. tour tonight. Oh and uh, we'll let you in on um, who's here and uh, what's going to be happening in just a few moments. A big thanks to th- those of you joining us internationally. So glad to have you with us. I noticed a new uh, listener in Vancouver oh up there in a uh, beautiful country uh, up there, isn't it? We were up there uh, not too long ago and just uh, and God did some extraordinary work, I think, up there for us to enjoy. So welcome, Vancouver, to Lighthouse Live in the International Podcasting Network. And a big thank you to the good folks at Sherwood Bible Church. I had the opportunity to uh, share with them on Sunday, which created... Mass rioting and destruction, but <laughs> Not it was a... really. No, <laughs> you're going to scare Ross. Now, it was a... oh, he's scary <laughs> enough anyway. But we had a we had a great time, and uh, thanks uh, thanks to the good folks there for uh, uh, just an enjoyable time mm-hmm. on Sunday morning. Right now, friends, let's check in with our friends from Voice of the Martyrs. Hey, what's up? This is Michael Tate with news about another real-life Jesus freak. It's 1995, Vietnam. Tu Ding Trung rides his bicycle from village to village to preach the good news. But by order of the communist authorities, a squad of officers pulls him off his bike, beats him, and brings him to jail. When Christians around the world hear this story, they pray for Trung and write letters on his behalf. The Vietnamese authorities feel the pressure and offer him early release. But Trung refuses. In prison... He has led many to Christ, and he wants to stay for his full term so he can disciple his new flock of believers. He says, the most important thing is that I complete my mission. Will you stand with the Voice of the Martyrs? Go online to persecution.com. Just a reminder, friends, you know, before the broadcast today, Mr. Owl here was praying about the blessings that we have in this country. And... You know, here's a situation where a man is uh, ripped off his bicycle uh, for being a believer, thrown into prison, and chooses to stay there, although the political pressure is is there to release him, chooses to stay there because that's where God has called him to be. And uh, it's just an amazing thing, and we take so much for granted, and I think uh, we also need to be prepared for the fact that should things change, we need to be ready to answer the call and stand uh, stand fast as well. Speaking of standing fast, let's check in with Brad Dacus in the Pacific Justice Institute. It's time for The Legal Edge, a look at your rights as a Christian, a parent, and a citizen. And now, with a look at what's happening on the legal front, the president of the Pacific Justice Institute, Brad Dacus. 
This week's update is kind of a David and Goliath story. You see, the city of Lemon Grove, California, has prohibited a four-member church from meeting in its small sanctuary building because it is supposedly in violation of zoning codes. Now, an expansive zoning code amendment has been denied because the four-member church doesn't have 18 parking spaces. Pacific Justice Institute is representing the church because federal law states that local governments generally cannot substantially burden churches with zoning or land use regulations, including those that apply to tiny churches. I'm Brad Dacus. To find out more about The Legal Edge, call 916-857-6900 or log on at pacificjustice.org. And we're back with you on Lighthouse Live. Pastor Mike, Elaine, and our very special guest, and we're going to introduce them to you in just a moment. But time now to check out our volunteer center of the United Way's Lend-A-Hand List, an opportunity for you to volunteer. The American Diabetes Association Walk for Diabetes will hit the streets on Sunday, October 12th at the Sports Complex in Patterson. You can step out, walk to fight diabetes as a fundraising walk, benefiting the ADA's mission to prevent and cure diabetes and to improve the lives of all people affected by diabetes. Volunteers of all ages are needed to assist uh, with the setup, registration, uh, supervising the games, activities, and to assist participants on the route, uh, cleanup, etc., cetera, uh, between 7 and 4 p.m., and uh, this will strike a chord with our own Mr. Al, Habitat for Humanity. Now, here's your chance to change lives right here in Modesto. Uh, Habitat and several Modesto Junior College organizations are teaming up to help revitalize a West Modesto neighborhood, and they need your help. Volunteers ages 16 years and older are needed to help renovate five low-income house houses off of Paradise Road and Martin Luther King Drive. We know that area well. Really well. <laughs> the project will spread over four days, October 3rd, 4th, and 10th. That's coming up. And uh, this takes place from 11 uh, to 9, uh, 9 uh, to 4 p.m. That's the 11th. That's the date. Habitat for Humanity, a non-for-profit Christian organization bringing families in need together with volunteers uh, and resources to build decent affordable housing. We like their uh, principle of sweat equity, do we not? That's a, a good policy. And finally, if I can turn the page here, we can get to the last one here. Volunteer page turners. Volunteer page turners. Yeah, we need volunteers of all, all walks of life. Uh, we have some great uh, partners here at the Stanislaw County Health Service Agencies. I think of Dr. John Walker, mm. a great uh, partner. Uh, you can bring your cheery smile and customer service skills to the gift shop. Volunteers greet and assist customers with sales, uh, operating cash register, wrapping gifts, and helping maintain uh, an attractive gift of merchandise and general store appearance. Flexible volunteer shifts are available on uh, weekdays from 8 to 5. Uh, all interested people, volunteers should possess customer service skills. That always no, that lets out. me out right no, there. No, uh, we've no. got a job for you anyway. The ability <laughs> sure to uh, interact. Act with uh, a diverse clientele uh, in a respectful manner. I have cash register experience that helps out. Sales experience is a plus, but not necessary. Necessary volunteers must be at least 18 years of age and pass a background check. And the HSA is a network of outpatient medical programs and services 
providing health care information and support uh, to our community. Now, if uh, any of these items interest you, we would ask that you contact our friend Barbara Borba. She's at 209-524-1307, extension 113, or you can email her at bborba at uwaystan.org. Or you can always give us a call at 209-544-9571, and we'd be glad to pass along any of the information to you. You know, while our brother John uh, is still out on the mend, as we say, and in John's language, he would tell you he was laying in the weeds. Laying in the weeds. <laughs> but uh, while he's getting better, and we want to thank you for keeping him in your prayers. But if you uh, are a tradesperson, uh, skilled in electrical, subcontractor, cement, kind of handy person, uh, most importantly, if you have a desire to connect with people in need. We just would ask uh, that you maybe think about getting out and helping and, and sharing and, and you know just, just loving people, reaching out and touching people in the name of Christ. Great great need right now for Absolutely. tradesmen and tradeswomen who um, we don't have to teach how to screw a screw properly or hit a nail on the head or uh, you know you know when you st- we have some grab bars here that mm. uh, and I know Patty you were looking at those a, yes. a couple of minutes at a display board of. Uh, safety equipment that we install for many seniors who are abandoned by their families and lonely and really have no resources in our area. But you have to know what you're doing because if you install one of those and you just drill right into the tile of, uh, of a shower, that whole thing splits open. And so we need knowledgeable people who have experience, who understand how to anchor those properly, those grab bars, and how to drill through a tile with the right type of bit and such. And if uh, you can help us, we desperately need your help right now, and the the people in need desperately need you as well. It is so cool because, you know, meeting a felt need, and these people do have physical needs, but what happens oftentimes is these people will say, why are you doing this? And it's just so wonderful when you can, you know, just share the love of Christ with them. It just opens the door. And just today, for an example, some of the needs that that comes through uh, the office here at ABC, Mary called in, and she told me she offered this up. She's 82 years old, but she didn't sound as old as, okay, we are, right? And what she needed, <laughs> what she needed was... Meaning like older okay, than we'll dirt just, let's or not, what? No, let's just not go there. Sure okay. how to take but that. What, <laughs> what she needs is she has this stationary bike, and mm. all she needs in the world is someone to lower the seat. Mm. And it doesn't take <laughs> a, a lot to do that. And, I'm, you know, probably you guys around the table have the tool to just lower the seat for her to ride her bike, and, and that's all she wants. And not only that, but Al could put a 444-barrel <laughs> double some sort of, I don't carburetor know, with know. turbo boost on it yeah, as well, right. and she yeah. could really yeah, fire just, off on that thing, huh, so, huh, Mr. Al? Which would take maybe, maybe five minutes to do that. You know, what a great opportunity. tender, loving care and a little mm. tool to help this precious lady, and it's just a, a wonderful thing. So give us a call, 209-544-9571, and we will gladly connect you to an opportunity to not only meet those needs, but to connect someone to the love and light of Jesus Christ. Well, Mike, this is one of those opportunities, these special times when before introductions take place, and actually we probably don't really need any formal introductions tonight, but we're going to ask Papa Bob Elliott to uh, to do something special tonight because at sundown tonight mm-hmm. uh, introduces and marches in the Jewish New Year, Rosh Hashanah. And so uh, we're going to ask him to uh, uh, mark this special time by the blowing of the shofar. And Papa Bob, uh, as we affectionately call him, our Mishpoka, our family, uh, if you would do that for us now. 
Thank you. Bob Elliott and his wife, Patty Elliott, and Claude and Gayleen Terry join us tonight. Thank you all for joining us on uh, Rosh Hashanah, the Jewish New Year, and uh, what, what, a, what a blessing to have uh, the four of you with us, and Claude and, and Gayleen Terry, no strangers to Lighthouse Live, and, and Bob and Patty Elliott as well, and the four of you don't have to be introduced to each other because you've known each other for a number of years and uh, have something in common. You each have taken a, a trip to the Holy Land uh, in this past year, and uh, so that's a, a, a great thing to have in common And um, as we usher in a, a new year for uh, the land of Israel, God's Holy Land. And uh, what, what a, an awesome thing to have, have traveled and uh, to share this uh, wonderful trip together. Now, Gaylene, you just returned from a trip yourself. Uh, I want to welcome you home. You're in one piece, and that's a good thing. You know, we <laughs> prayed for you to come back and to share your uh, share your trip with us. But uh, uh, Claude, maybe start things off and, and tell us about your trip to the Holy Land and what all you guys did when you were gone and how long you were gone and what you did while you were there. It was so long ago, and we've gone to so many countries since then. I've forgotten, Millie. There goes that age thing. Yes, it is. But we had the opportunity to to uh, go with a team uh, to Israel in May June time period and visit a ministry there that our church supports called Mount Carmel Ministry Center. And we had a wonderful time. They had a large convocation there, uh, about two hundred and eighty people were there uh, to get training and teaching about the, uh, about the, the land of Israel. Uh, yes, th- these 280 people were from people all over the, all over the world came together for, for this convocation. And then from there, we, we had the opportunity to visit some of the, the wonderful sites uh, in, in Israel. So we, we really had a wonderful time. It's just uh, uh, very special because our team got together last night and, and kind of had a, a debriefing and saw all the photos again. So it r- really refreshed our memories of the of the grand time we had and worshiping God and and looking at uh, what God's doing in that nation. Isn't that always a fun time looking at the photos? I don't know about you. I always love that. Gaylene, don't you, don't you always enjoy that looking oh, at the certainly. photos that you, you mm-hmm. took? Especially uh, we don't take a lot of pictures. <laughs> so we were blessed by all the pictures that other people took. So yes, it was a good celebration together. And it helps when the camera's not in the bottom of the Sea of Galilee. We don't want to go there. <laughs> I was hoping you would forget that part. Oh, no. Oh, please. But well, what you baptized the camera <laughs> in the Sea of Galilee. Oh, what only, a great honor. Only I would do something <laughs> like that. I think Bob and Patty, you know, all about that story. Did we share that story with you guys? I don't believe so. I, I dropped my camera in the Sea of Galilee when I was there. Okay, we can move on now. Okay. What was Those your... <laughs> are like 264 pictures very or something. Long, 300, but who's 300. Okay, okay. What, was your <laughs> what was your favorite part? Did, I mean, can you have a – I mean, every place was my favorite. Okay, for, for me, um, this was our third trip there. Uh, so each trip, the Lord does some, something a little bit different. So one of my highlights was being able to go to one of the 24-7 prayer rooms to pray, mm-hmm. overlooking the city. Mm. Uh, that and reconnecting with um, a House of Refuge, which is a women's center uh, affiliated with the church we support, where women from many nations 
uh, are loved and ministered to. Oh. And, and to hear their stories coming out of Sudan and mm. places where it's very difficult to be a believer. Of course, those areas so. would touch your heart, Gaylene. Is this an area where they find refuge and, and safety? What, how, how do they find their yes, way there? Yes, well, it's most of the men, the husbands go to prison, but a little grace is shown to the women. And so there's a place where the women can go to. Um, and, and several children are there and pregnant women. Um, most of the women now are coming out of uh, Egypt, Ethiopia. Mm. Uh, so they just take a chance. Things are so tough where they are that they yes, flee across yes. the desert. Oh, my. Wow. So we heard amazing stories of what, what these women witnessed. A ministry. What a ministry. Claude, how about uh, talk to us a little bit about uh, the Mount Carmel Ministry Center and uh, what's going on there. Well, it's interesting. They have, they have a church. Uh, it was started um, many years ago by a Broadway actor who was uh, ministering with David Wilkerson in New York City, and God called uh, him to and his wife, who's Jewish, to, to go to Israel. Mm-hmm. And while they were there, uh, they met uh, a Japanese-American and, a, and his wife, who's also Jewish, that had just come from planting a church in Japan. And God had really birthed in them the same kind of vision wow. for uh, people coming together in this one new man, as it, as it uh, talks about in Ephesians. And so they came together, and they, um, um, David Davis, uh, one of the, the men, had a heart to start a recovery ministry. And so uh, people told him that there's no way that he could do a recovery ministry with both Jews and Gentiles and Arabs all together. Wow. And God had laid it on on their heart that God was going to do a miraculous thing and and really uh, give an an example, a symbol of one new man through this recovery ministry. And so they started that. And that's been a a tremendous uh, blessing. And a lot of the interns and a lot of the church planners now in in, uh, Israel are people that have come through uh, the recovery ministry there. So they have that. They have the the House of Refuge, as Galen mentioned, for women. They do have an intern program where they're training and equipping uh, men and women to be involved in ministry. Uh, They have uh, both Jews and Arabs that they work together, uh, plan churches together. Uh, it's it's an amazing thing. One of the That's one of the so Arab based yes. ministries has one of the largest uh, websites for uh, preaching the gospel, and they're getting millions of hits uh, through the months. Do you have but, any of those websites available with you, Claude? I think there... if you got on uh, Mount Carmel okay. uh, or did a, a Google search of Mount Carmel okay. uh, Center or Mount Carmel Ministry Center, that you could work your way and find uh, even the website for the the Arab. Uh, website that they have. Terrific. That is exciting. Papa Bob, <laughs> your mm. trip to Israel was in April? We left on April 30th, arrived on May 1st, <laughs> and we left on May 18th. Mm. And our tour, we went with, we met the tour there, uh, a group from South Africa called the Global Day of Prayer. Mm. Graham Power. Uh, was the head of that, and uh, with that we kind of had a very, very typical, uh, I want to say, 11-day tour uh, leading up to, we had 10 days of special prayer. Everywhere we went uh, was some kind of special prayer leading up to the Global Day of Prayer. Mm-hmm. 
and we participated in that uh, in the National Convention Center. There were 2,800, there were 28, just about 2,800 people in there for 18 hours praying. And that was constant prayer and worship that was going on back and forth for that whole period of time. But it was very providential because we believed we were going there for a somewhat different reason. Uh, Didn't really know why until we got there, and all of a sudden we found out that President Bush was going to be there while we were there. And he was going to, they were using the National Convention Center for his Mideast Summit Conference. And so we got to, we, we spent some time praying, trying to prepare that place for that conference, which mm-hmm. took, took place about eight hours after they ran us out of there. Wow. And uh, our hotel was such that from the balcony of our hotel, I could have, I think I could have hit the roof of the National Convention Center with uh, a medium-sized rock. I could, I could have gotten it that far, I think. Not that you tried. But from or the you no, to, but, but <laughs> from from the ninth floor. That's just to say how close we were. Mm-hmm. Um, if you look off the other side of our hotel, the Crown Plaza, you looked right down Government Row, right down through past the Supreme Court to the Knesset, all the way down about a mile to the Israel Museum, mm-hmm. and uh, I really enjoyed that because I could look out over Jerusalem there, looking mm-hmm. north over Jerusalem, and that had a lot of importance to me. Uh, my blood has started rising up and making things Jewish very important. Patty was very, very ill and yes. couldn't really do a whole lot. And But we did, I think the, the thing that got to me the most was the one of our latter days after the tours had all departed and we were really on our own. We uh, managed to get to the Jewish quarter and we walked through the Jewish quarter, uh, just walking through there trying to find the Temple Institute. And going to the Temple Institute was uh, a very very, very uh, moving thing. Bob, explain for those who may not be aware what the significance of the Temple Institute and what it's all about. The Temple Institute is uh, a group of people now, artisans, tradesmen, rabbis, and others who are preparing the third temple. They are pretty close to 90% complete, everything, including the garments for all of the individual priests. The high priest garment is already made. It's on display there. The uh, altar of incense is sitting there on display, 18 by 18 by 42 inches, covered in a very thick coating of pure gold, $3 million worth. Wow. You walk outside. They have, uh, they have the menorah mm-hmm. outside in a special case where it's out on view and when you get out there to look at the menorah (laughs) we looked down and realized where this is and it's part of the back wall at the hotel at the western wall Mm -hmm. and we were right above the plaza the gates that you the toll gates that you go through to get into the western wall 
and that menorah is sitting out there at about six and a half feet tall, and it also is made out of solid gold. And it is, it is not just something light put over it. It is solid gold, like each one of the lamp fixtures would easily, the, the four pieces of it would easily run about 42 pounds for each one of those lamps. And that's just the oil bowl and things like that because that the menorah are oil lamps. And seeing that and thinking about it, remembering from the Tanakh, from the Old Testament, remembering all of the scriptures and everything about it, uh, I got to see it because I've always wondered, how in the world do you hammer about two or three hundred pounds of gold? How do you hammer it into as one solid piece into all of the assembly mm. of the menorah? And you look at that. I, I looked at it, and I just, I just marveled that that's the way the original one was made. This one was poured. Oh, sure. Yeah, it's poured, and it was poured, and then each one of the actual, the lamps, are actually about four different pieces that all make it up right there. And it holds each one of them will hold enough oil to burn for. 12 hours so every 12 hours you have to go put some more oil in trim the wick pull it out trim it everything like that but uh, uh, it, it was an awesome thing to see now they are determined that they're going to build a third temple uh, they even have it all laid out so that it does face east one corner of it will be about 15 yards from the uh, dome, from the Dome of the Rock, another corner of it will be about 15 yards from the Al-Aqsa Mosque, and it will not touch or infringe upon either one of them. Of course, that doesn't matter to the uh, Palestinians. They're not going to allow it if they can. But uh, they believe that when they get it set up there and they build it, that uh, they're going to reinstitute all of the Mosaic Law sacrifices and things. And, of course, I think uh, Daniel and Revelations have a little something to say about it, that it's not kind of not quite going to work that way. <laughs> but um, uh, still, it's, it's one of these things. They have it ready to construct it in its entirety. And I don't think it's going to take them more than three days to actually construct it because of the fact that they have it sitting out there somewhere in the desert and they're ready to put it on trucks and haul it in there and those trucks are going to come driving in there and that thing is just going to be like putting together a, a numbered set of tinker toys so it's <coughs> prefabricated it's prefabbed right. it is completely prefabbed they're just finishing up the garments and uh, that really was a that was a very mm -hmm. awesome point in time. Uh, the young lady giving us a tour part of part of the tour is you sitting in this room, and uh, a bunch of paintings around at the ceiling, which describe different things. And she asked us to look at this one painting, 
I looked at it. It was a picture of the holy place with 11 menorah, 11 tables of showbread, and a whole bunch of priests walking around and taking care of everything. And she said, now turn around and look over there, and here's another picture of the holy place. One menorah. It's kind of dark and smudgy. One table of showbread. And she says, can anyone tell me what the difference is between these two? And I go, I looked up, and I looked up at the one that was bright and clear and all the menorah, and I looked over at the other one, and I just kind of looked back. And just under my breath, I said, well, that one's the Temple of Solomon, and that one's the Temple Mm -hmm. of Herod. Mm -hmm. And our the young lady that was a guide had to pick her chin up off of her chest. <laughs> no one had answered that question in 20 years. Is that right, Ron? Wow. Yeah. That was just amazing to me. I mean, it's just as clear to me as it could be. A few minutes later, she had a chance, and she asked me, she says, how do you know that? I says, I read the book of Chronicles. <laughs> so it was a very amazing a very amazing uh, experience there. But walking through, especially the Jewish quarter, you can walk mm-hmm. through the bazaars, and they're all kind of the same, regardless of which one it is. But the Jewish quarter itself is very, very different. And you really go back to old Jerusalem then. Mm-hmm. And you really know, I'm in Jerusalem, yeah. just walking through there. Jerusalem is uh, really what stood out to our group as well. Uh, I can remember pulling into the the city actually, and uh, we just we just wept. We couldn't stop weeping the whole time that uh, that we were there. Well, Chris Tomlin performs our song this week and reminds the world who it's really all about. This is Jesus Messiah on Lighthouse Life.
special guest as we celebrate and usher in Rosh Hashanah here with Bob and Patty Elliott and Claude and Gaylene Terry. So glad to be here and so glad that you're listening wherever you're listening tonight to Lighthouse Live. Claude and Gaylene, let's talk a little bit uh, as, as shepherds here in the city. How is how are those experiences of actually walking, you know, in, in the steps of the heroes of the faith uh, how, how has that affected your ministry and and uh, your calling? I would imagine it has to lend new meaning to the words that that uh, bounce off the pages for us and and uh, give you a, a whole new perspective. I would guess. Well, one of the things uh, I'll let my my wife speak here, but one of the things that I I am just impressed with is. Um, you know, you look at the situation in Israel. Um, I don't know what the even population is. What is it? Six, seven uh, million. Seven million. Yeah. Seven million seven hundred and thirty-seven thousand. Okay. Well, that's <laughs> okay. We know. Yes. We got it. And a few more coming every day, right? Yes. Uh, and you see this this relatively very small country with seven million people surrounded by millions and millions of Arabs, and why that particular spot is so important. And we go back to the fact that uh, Jesus's promise, that God's promises, are are true, mm. and that uh, God will cause everything to come about as He's prophesied, mm-hmm. as the prophets have prophesied. And so, uh, to me, it's just an, another one of those things that uh, helps me continue to understand and appreciate that God's word is true. Mm. And that uh, we have the good news to proclaim to our city and to our surrounding area that that what God has said, uh, He's going to bring about, mm-hmm. and that uh, puts a, a new conviction and a, just a, a, a yearning inside of all of us when we when we recognize that. And and I would imagine too, it underscores the fact that the geography is important to God. Yes. Geography is uh-huh. uh, is important in Jerusalem. You know, mm-hmm. so I mean. I would imagine just being there brings a lot of things alive and brings them home like uh, you never would have imagined before. For me, practically speaking, um, I'm an intercessor, and so that just lights the fire in me to continue to mobilize prayer for Israel. You know, that's one place in Romans 10, 1, that we are specifically charged to pray for the salvation. Um, 
so that's one practical application for me, just to continue to communicate to people about the place of Israel in God's heart. Paul was so and, moved by it. <laughs> and not to be deceived by our culture yeah. or other nations. Yes. Mm. Having seen the geography and actually felt the surrounding pressure and oppression <laughs> and uh, all of that, what, um, what, what words would you use to encourage our fellow believers here stateside who've never been to Israel, and it seems like kind of a far-off thing, and we know it from the pages, but we haven't walked there, we haven't felt it, we haven't touched it, we haven't smelled it. What words would you use um, to try to bring that into uh, reality and into uh, people's uh, radar screen on a daily basis? Uh, as Paul uh, you know, is, has admonished us to pray for Israel, how, having been there, how would you encourage, or what words would you use to encourage people to do that? Well, one of the one of the things that just comes to my mind uh, from uh, uh, Colossians four two through six, I just preached on this a couple of weeks ago, but it says, "Devote yourself to prayer, mm-hmm. be th- watchful and thankful." Mm-hmm. And I think as we devote ourselves to prayer and pray for the peace of Jerusalem, uh, we just need to be alert. Every day in the newspaper, there is something that will. Uh, bring the Bible alive because there's there, the events that are happening today in Israel uh, will have a profound effect in the future mm-hmm. and in the, in the prophecies being fulfilled that, that God has talked about in his word. And they will come about. Amen. Yeah, I'm, I'm going to jump in there because one thing probably spiritually that impacted me, when you see with your eyes the Ezekiel 37 prophecy mm-hmm. of the dry bones coming to life, it is so such an impact in your life you know to to really see it i mean there are thousands of people gathering to worship now the the trickling starting you know from the people we we talked to of of the jews uh, being saved and it's just thrilling i think we can pray practically there are our websites and all kinds of things you can pray practically like for the young messianic boy who was uh, thought he was getting a gift and exploded a bomb in his face he's healing beautifully Mm. so we need to to learn so we can pray in an informed perspective Mm. bob elliott as you were there and and connected with people on the street what's uh, what, what was your sense of the the temperature of the jewish community as you walk through the jewish quarter what did you feel as you uh walked through there I did not feel any apprehension. Um, There is uh, an atmosphere of separation. You have uh, ethnic pressures. The Jew against the Arab, the Arab against the Jew, the Arab against the Christian, Jews against Christians, Arabs against the Druze, the Jews against the Druze. And, but even at that, you don't feel that pressure. Mm. Um, we would walk around, and times I was out walking around sometimes by myself, it was very, very interesting because everybody's just walking along, everybody's paying attention to their own needs. They're not, well, there was alertness. Boy, I, people are alert. They are looking around. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And... But I felt very comfortable. I mean, here's all these young IDF 
men and women, boys and girls, <laughs> walking around with loaded M16s. Very young. And yeah, M4s. And, <laughs> and here they are, they're walking around, but I would see them, you know, hats off, hanging on, mm-hmm. hanging on the backpack. So are their boots because they're walking around in flip-flops, coming out of the bus depot, going home. They're mm-hmm. off duty. Mm-hmm. But in uniform with their weapons. And I felt no unease whatsoever. Mm. I, was, I, I, I was really happy to be there. But uh, the prompting uh, to pray for the peace of Jerusalem is yes. very, very yes. big. Yes. Because I kind of see Israel as the center of the world. Mm. Jerusalem is mm. the center of Israel. As Jerusalem goes, actually, I see it that the whole rest of the world goes that way. Whatever whatever happens there is going to wind up happening here. I always used to think it all started here. No. <laughs> Not anymore. And that it's no different anywhere else in the world. What we have happening here in America is exactly the same thing that is happening elsewhere. As a matter of fact, uh, other countries, some other countries, it's worse. You have open armed conflict between the people of within one country. And we need to pray. We really need to get down and pray. And I think we need to take some lessons about going back and reading the times that Moses had to go before God on account of the people and look at exactly how he prayed. And we need to pray in a new manner. Claude, as we talked, uh, referenced just a few moments ago, the the Messianic Jews, let's talk a little bit about the impact upon that decision uh, relative to uh, that person's family and and their future. it's a it's a pretty heady thing when uh, when someone makes a decision like that. Can you talk a little bit about the impact upon the individual when they receive Christ in in the culture? Well, again, it's it's uh, it's just a total transformation, and then it's so different from their their upbringing, from the culture in which they're living. Uh, you know, we. It, it, for some reason, we seem to think that when a Muslim uh, becomes a believer, uh, we can understand that, but they don't understand that uh, when a, a Jewish person accepts the Lord and accepts Jesus Christ as a Messiah, it's that kind of revolutionary mm-hmm. change also. But uh, as Galen mentioned, in the last few years, just to see the increase in the amount of of messianic congregations that are happening that are coming to fruition in in the nation of israel is just really so exciting uh, to see what what god is doing Absolutely. Mm-hmm. A lot of people, of course, are using Neil Diamond's version of the jazz singer as a reference point here, and of course, there's uh, family angst, you know, that happens, and uh, you know, cases of, of people declaring their sons or daughters dead. Mm-hmm. You know, um, there's a there's a price to pay that we there's don't a, understand in our culture yes. that uh, that is so uh, that is so prevalent there. Um, is is it helpful for them to gather together and share that type of, uh, you know, that those types of pressures and and uh, 
I, I would guess sorrows. I would imagine that uh, coming together in those Messianic churches takes on much more than just worshiping together. There's probably uh, a lot of sharing that goes on and bearing each other's burdens as uh, as they're sharing some common angst together. What's really interesting is to see uh, Jewish um, Jewish Messianic uh, believers and Arab believers commiserating together mm-hmm. and yeah. sharing about yeah. the same thing wow. and uh, praising God through uh, through the situations that they find themselves in and hear testimonies of uh, Arabs who said you know I, I hated uh, you know I hated the Jews and this is what God said in my life and now mm-hmm. I love my brother here and the Jewish uh, person mm-hmm. saying the same thing where, in the, where else in the world do you see that to that extreme you know I mean God's got it dialed in, doesn't it? An absolutely marvelous thing. Well, shalom to you wherever you are, and we'll be back with lots more right after this. Deep needs, deep hurts, spreading far beyond the government's ability to help. Children, single moms and dads, the elderly, disabled, the homeless. Yet... Thousands of resources that can meet those needs are sitting right now in the pews and seats of our churches. The challenge? Activating those resources and connecting them with the people in need. We have a proven solution, advancing vibrant communities. We bridge the gap. We connect people and churches with opportunities to serve the needs of their neighbors. Pure, simple, proven effective, advancing vibrant communities. What's our motivation? Jesus' command in Matthew 22:39 to love your neighbor as yourself. The church at large has a biblical mandate to serve the needs of the community. Advancing vibrant communities researches those needs, then finds volunteers with the skills and passions to meet those needs. The very first story that Mike told about ABC involves serving one of my church members whose needs I could not meet within my own community. And in that moment, God humbled me and asked me to open my heart and really listen. And as I saw the setup of the database, I realized that AVC is a wonderful partner with my own congregation. It helps us be more effective. This organization comes along and says, I'll do a lot of the groundwork and we'll discover the needs and then those folks in your congregation who desire to be a part and who have these skills can volunteer. AVC partners with over 80 community and government agencies to help meet the needs of the city. We network with organizations like Habitat for Humanity, the American Red Cross, Salvation Army, the Area Agency on Aging, the School District, and the Police Department. Habitat and ABC is a perfect match in that we both have common missions of helping people get out of the four walls of the church, getting out into the community and helping others. ABC serves volunteers by finding ways for them to help others. ABC serves the needy through volunteer efforts with love, grace, mercy, and compassion. ABC serves churches by augmenting efforts to reach out and meet the needs of their neighbors. 
ADC serves businesses by helping create healthy neighborhoods, by connecting employees with opportunities to volunteer, and by providing opportunities to donate goods and services to legitimate needs in the community. Well, it works. And I, I, I believe that as in our companies, as being uh, formerly a businessman in, in, in Stanislaus County and, and uh, other counties in the state as, as, as well, that uh, our companies were only as, as successful as our weakest link. And I believe that to be the same case in our communities and in our cities, that we can only be as much as we're going to be based upon the capacity and the ability of others to participate at an increased level and quality of, of life. You know, some of us can do, donate a little money, some a little time, some one or the other or both. It really touched my heart that these strangers were interested in me and what I needed in my life. You know, it's not only hearing it, but it's seeing them and it's being there in person and seeing the, the need that they have and hopefully being able to do something about it. I will tell you as, you know, your chief of police in the city of Modesto, we need your help in the community making a difference. Volunteer, I know we can put you to work. And I, I promise you, if you get involved, you'll feel better. You'll be happier. How can we partner with you to meet the needs of our city? We ask you to consider monthly financial support and to help recruit more volunteers. Advancing vibrant communities. Faith in action. Pure. Simple proven effective, carrying out the biblical mandate to love our neighbors as ourselves. Thank you. And we're back with you on Lighthouse Live and uh, celebrating a brand new year in the Jewish New Year. Rosh Hashanah is what it's mm -hmm. called. And uh, happy to be here tonight with Claude and Gayling Terry and Bob and Patty Elliott. Uh, recently back from Israel, more recently than me. I visited there in 2007 and them in 2008. And I don't think you ever forget a trip to the Holy Land. And, of course, uh, Claude and Gaylene have visited other places as well. Gaylene, you are back from a trip most recently from where? It was uh, We went to several nations. Um, but are you referring to Iraq? Yes. <laughs> yes. Okay. Yes. And... Uh, you just have an incredible ministry of prayer, and you take this ministry all over the world, and uh, you and Patty share that in common, and uh, you people have known each other around this table for many, many years, and uh, coming back together tonight to share in your uh, love of God's holy land, and it's just a wonderful time together tonight to share this here on Lighthouse Live, and we just appreciate you being here with us tonight. Gillian, having been to Iraq... How do we pray, in, I don't know, I say intelligently, you know, maybe that's the wrong word, but mm -hmm. with specificity, how, how do we, how can we pray better? Uh, other than what we see in the headlines, what should we be focusing well, on? Well, one thing, we need to be paying, praying for the believers in Iraq mm -hmm. because they live in very difficult circumstances. A lot of fear of there, no doubt. A lot of persecution mm -hmm. and a lot of killing mm -hmm. <laughs> of believers. Mm -hmm. uh, it, it's a very dangerous place, especially mm -hmm. in the hot spots. Um, the people I'm most connected with are around the Mosul area. So um, it's just bad. I mean, it's they are being terribly persecuted. Um, so certainly praying for the believers, sometimes we don't pray for the believers that are there. Uh, and, and the nation, I think it's never wrong to play, pray that God's purposes for Iraq will mm -hmm. prevail. Mm -hmm. 
you know. Um, I mean, there's myriads of ways, but those are two things that just come to my mind. What was the temperature there of, of the people as you uh, encountered them? Is there constant fear? Is there a resignation to kind of this is the way life is? What, well, it's, uh, is it's just different. I mean, the hotel I was in, you know, people come in and check their submachine guns at the door. <laughs> <laughs> wow. Wow. It, yeah. It's very interesting. And I was in a, a safer part. Um, but before on my trip a couple years ago, you know, we ran into some pretty rough stuff. But... These people have lived in such turmoil and chaos for many, many years, you know, way back when uh, the Iran-Iraqi war. Mm -hmm. So um, that's just what they lived with. And, um, and yet you see people being really faithful. And we did, I didn't see one church. Uh, I have not yet to see a church. Now, are, are the churches, the gathering, the congregations, right. are they happening sub rosa? Are they happening in yes, homes? Yes, and, and, and the, some of the people I know, they it's not safe to even gather in homes. Uh -huh. it, mm -hmm. it's, um, it's not safe to do that. Mm -hmm. So, uh, yeah, it's, it's very tense. Mm -hmm. Under that type of uh, oppression, I would imagine children growing up in, in those homes just got to have a whole different worldview on this whole thing. And I would imagine that uh, um, naming the name of Jesus Christ takes on for them even just a, a whole new dynamic that our children here just can't even imagine. Absolutely. I'm, I'm, my heart's heavy right now because I'm probably going to be taking a trip to Jordan to mm -hmm. meet with an Iraqi woman mm -hmm. uh, in the Mosul area who um, saw her husband being tortured. They didn't go out for a long time. They stayed in, but went out, but saw her husband tortured and killed by, I'll just leave the name blank, sure. by a group. So so people like her lose everything. They were professional people, engineers, so they lose everything they own. Mm. They lose family connections. Yeah, It's just, we can't even relate to that. You know. We are living it's, in such incredible uh, times. I think we would all agree with that, Galen. What misconceptions do we have, and how can we realistically, as Americans here in the United States, look at this and kind of give us a reality check? Well, oh, I think the Bible tells us to, to know about the times we're living in. Mm -hmm. And this is a time, if ever there was one in our lifetimes, mm -hmm. for Christians to stand up and to be serious, you know, for the Lord to examine our own lives and to take a stand. If we don't take a stand, we are without excuse mm. with what happens in our nation. Absolutely. Bob, Elliot, Claude, Terry, we have about a minute and a half left. Uh, how would you like to, uh, uh, to wrap this up in terms of a message to those who are listening tonight? Yes. Let's start with Bob. <laughs> Pray for the peace of Jerusalem. Pray Amen. for the peace of everyone every every language mm. at yom kippur the jews pray repentance for 70 nations mm -hmm. there were 70 nations at the, out of the the uh, tower of babel and they pray for the forgiveness of sins of everyone in the world and we should do the same mm. claude claude i'll just read a verse in isaiah 62 that says i have posted watchmen on your walls o jerusalem mm. They will never be silent day or night. You who call on the Lord, give yourselves no rest and give him no rest till he establishes Jerusalem and makes her the praise of the earth. Amen. 
We want to thank each of you for joining us tonight. It's been a most special broadcast. Thank you for listening around the world, wherever that ha- may happen to be. And uh, shalom to you and happy Rosh Hashanah all over the world. Don't forget to join us next week. We will be joined by Susan and Bob Paul of LifeWind. So have a great week and may God continue to bless you as you reach out and love your neighbor as you love yourselves.